Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. It's one of those special days where I just believe that God is doing something, so we're excited about it. We start a brand new series today called A Home for All. Somebody say A Home for All. A home for all. Uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the theme, a home, right? We're going to be talking about a home. What is a home? Why, why do we come up? My wife, I love it. She came up with this theme as we were discussing the month of October, um, and uh, I just love it. A home for all. I believe that's who we are, and it's leading us to October 21st, which is Heart for the House. Come on, it's just four weeks away, Heart for the House, and I'm pumped about it. I'm excited about it. Every month, every, every year in October, we pick one Sunday where all of us are going to come in with a, a financial sacrifice, right, a financial gift, uh, and it goes to the expansion and improvement of our house, our home, our city, and our world, and I'll tell you more about it as we get closer to it, so I'm praying that you pray about it. Last year, I've told you this all year long, but last year, through Heart for the House, we were able to raise $206,000 as a church. Come on, somebody give yourselves a big hand, and uh, I got I to gotta, I got a short little video I want you to see about what happened through Heart for the House this past year because of your generosity last October. Check this out. amazing that was incredible i just i thought it was lightning in here um 
Incredible. And again, we did so much more. That's 90 seconds. And on October 21st, we have a special, special uh, film video that we've been working on for the last couple of weeks. And uh, it's going to be a lot lengthier. It's going to be really, really cool. It's more like documentary style. We're going to see everything that we've been able to do as a church through Heart for the House. So thank you for your generosity. And I'm believing that God's already spoken to you and your family on what you're going to bring October 21st. And I'm really excited about it. I want you to grab your Bibles today as we kick off this brand new series. I want you to grab your Bibles. Go to the book of Luke chapter 15. Come on, we're, we're starting this new collection of teachings, of preachings, of talks. A home for all. Go to Luke chapter 15. This is going to be kind of like where we're going to ground ourselves for the next few weeks as we talk about a home. A home. Anybody grateful for this home? Come on. As you're going to the book of Luke, Luke is in the New Testament. It's after Matthew, Mark, then it's Luke. As you're going there, look at your neighbor and tell him you look fantastic this morning. Come on. Some good-looking people at 11 a.m. Come on. Look at neighbor two on the other side and tell him you look better than my first neighbor. Come on. <laughs> Luke chapter 15. I was a little bit, 9 a.m. was, I mean, 9 a.m. was fantastic. 9 a.m. was, I mean, today was one of those days where I was just like, whoa, what is happening? It was, I was blown away. The only thing that upset me just a little bit, I saw some Patriots fans in here. See, I know the 11 a.m. is more spiritual. I know it. And so I just want to say, if you're Patriots fans, um, you could just leave right now. You're not allowed in this church. And I'm kidding. We love you. I'm kidding. Slightly. All right, Luke chapter 15. <laughs> Luke chapter 15, this is where we're going to be for the next couple of weeks. Uh, I'm really excited about uh, Luke chapter 15 and talking about it for the next couple of weeks as we go to Heart for the House. Uh, this is what's happening here. Jesus, he's gathered with some people that have started to follow him, to hear him. And the religious leaders, they're, they're a little bit upset. So we're going to pick it up in verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, you can share with the person next to you. Or we're going to put it up on the screen as well. It says this. Now the tax collectors and sinners, they were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they, they muttered, meaning they, they started complaining. They started to talk amongst themselves. They were, they were gossiping. They were upset. They were mad, big time mad. And it says, this man, he welcomes sinners and eats with them, right? Like Jesus, he's here. He's about to talk. And, and his community starts to form around him. But, but they don't look like what the religious leaders thought Jesus should be surrounded by. They, they don't fit the mold, right? They, they look a little bit different. They, they say, Jesus, how can you associate yourself with these type of people? And Jesus knew what they were saying and what they're talking about. So in verse 3 it says, then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders, and he goes home, then he, he calls all his friends, and he calls all his neighbors together, and he says, hey, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in that same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Come on. How good is that right there? Jesus, he tells this parable, this story. A parable is a way that Jesus would tell a story. And, and he talks about a man who lost one sheep, stays with 99, and he goes to recover the lost one. Today, out of Luke chapter 15, as we begin this brand new series, A Home for All, I want to talk to you out of this subject. If you're writing down notes, I want to talk to you out of the subject uh, uh, today. Never forget the one. Never forget the one. And I hope today that that 
is what God would speak to our hearts and to our community, to our church, as we think about everything that God has done for us. Amen? Come on, can we close our eyes by our head? Let's ask God to bless this time together. Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for this community. We thank you for this church, for this family. God, we believe that you're here. Thank you for what you did at the 9 a.m. Thank you for this 11 a.m., the 1 p.m. coming up, and tonight's service. God, we pray that you would speak into our hearts, our soul, our minds. God, we need you, Jesus. We love you. Have your way in our lives. It is in your name that we pray, and all of God's people say, Come on, all of God's people say, can you give Jesus one big shout of praise? Come on. Come on. As we think about a home, I wonder what uh, thoughts come to our mind, right? We're going to be talking about a home for the next several weeks, and, and I believe that as a church, we, we are home. I believe that this place is home to so many of us, almost 2,000 people that come here on a weekend and call this place home, and, and, and many of you have seen it when you come driving in or as, as you walk in, you see the signs everywhere that say, welcome, welcome home, right? And, and for a lot of us, when we walked in here, whether it was a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, you, as soon as you walked in, it, it just, you just had that feeling like this is... It's, it's home, right? It's just like there's a feeling. People have come up to us all the time. But I, as soon as I walked in, I just sensed this was home. And that's our heart as a community, as a church, is that this place would be a home for all, right? It would be a home for all. But what can happen, though, is, is that I think that over time, we can begin to forget what a home can look like. We can begin to forget what a home should look like, right? Like, like what is exactly a home? What, what happens in a home? Like, like we forget. We, we're humans, right? Forgetfulness is part of our nature. Like, have you ever forgotten something in your life? <laughs> All right, do you know anybody that always forgets something back at home? Anybody have that spouse that always forgets something? Don't point at them right now. Don't <laughs> There's people pointing all over the auditorium. We're just going to pray for them. Like, like, for example, you ever leave the house and, and you can't find your keys? You forgot where you, where you left them? You ever go out with some friends and you have that one friend that always forgets his wallet, right? I think they don't have forgetfulness. I think they have cheapfulness. <laughs> ah, I don't got my wallet. Can you that actually happened to me three times with Hedda. I went out three times with Hedda. I never forget my wallet. And three times he took care of my lunch. I love you. That's a good brother. But I paid you back. I forgot my wallet today, but we'll have lunch. Um, but you forget stuff, right? Like, like you forget stuff all the time. Have you, have you ever forgotten your cell phone at home when you're leaving? And like human beings, we forget things all the time. My brother, um, him and his wife, they're having a baby. She's having the baby. My brother's just looking. Um, but, but they're pregnant, and they're, they're about to have a baby in just a few months. And a couple of weeks ago, they had their baby shower, right? They had their baby shower, and it was fun. It was amazing. In fact, it was only supposed to be for the girls of the family, but my brother's like, hey, hey, come to the place where we're going to have it because upstairs in the upper room where the Holy Spirit fell, in the upper room, there, there's a ping pong table and there's pool table. Come hang out with me. I said, all right, let's do it. And so we went and we were hanging out there and, and they got a whole bunch of gifts and a bunch of family and friends came and they got a bunch of gifts. So he says, hey, I can't put all the gifts in my car. Can I put some of them in your car? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Put some in my car. The problem was I had to go somewhere right after the baby shower. So I said, hey, I'll try to pass by your house later or you pass by my house and, and I'll give you the gifts later so you can go home with all your baby stuff. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah don't even worry about it. Uh, we'll talk later. Later on, you know what happened? I forgot. 
and he forgot. So uh, that baby shower was two, almost three weeks ago. And for the past three weeks, I've been carrying around a whole bunch of baby products in my car. Like a bunch, like mad baby products all in my car. And um, I, I actually wrote to him the other day. I'm like, hey, you forgot your gifts. He's like, I forgot. He's like, keep giving them a tour of Miami. Don't worry about it. I'm like, oh, wait, your baby's about to come and I got your stuff. So what happened is people, like literally people over the last like two, three weeks have gotten in our car, right, into the back seat. And they'll look toward the last, last seat and they're like, Oh my God, I didn't know you guys were having, oh my God, like, right? And it's like, no, no, we're not having a baby. We don't want to have a baby right now. We haven't wanted to have a baby, right? There's people all the time that come up to the hand. They're like, when are you going to have a baby? We don't want to. Not right now. Babies are a blessing, but not right now. Um, because we, we both forgot, right? I think a lot of us, we can forget things, right? We can be forgetful. I think one of the things that we can forget is that God loves all of humanity, and he's always after the one. God is after every single human being. God loves every single one. God never forgets one person. He has every single person on his mind, on his heart, and God is after humanity. The Bible says in the book of John, chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, so that whosoever, the one, the lonely, the lost, the broken, the one that is far out from him, it doesn't matter, whoever calls on his name can be saved. I want to tell you. God, he's after the one. But, but what happens is that me and you, we, we can tend to forget about the one. Like, let's be honest. Like, life is complicated. Life is busy. And we can say we love everyone, and we can say we remember everyone, but, but our, our schedules, they become kind of hectic. And so we go to work, and we get up early in the morning, got to rush to make some breakfast or drive by somewhere and get some breakfast and get to the office. And after work, when you're working all day long and your mind can't take it no more, then you got football practice and dance practice and soccer practice and all kinds of practice. That's why we don't got no babies yet. All kinds of practice, <laughs> right? And, and you got all these things. Then you get home to try to see if you can make some dinner or prepare some lunch for the next day. And all week goes by, and to be honest, we live in a culture where we're very self-consuming. And we can forget about the very same people we walk next to every single day. Right? Like, like some of us, we, we drive by some streets where there's some people on the corners of the streets that don't have no food to eat. And yet we're rushing on our way to buy some food. Some of us have been blessed with so many good things from God that we forget those that are less fortunate and don't have enough resources to do something, and, 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 and I'm not saying you're guilty of it. I, I'm guilty of it too, right? Like we're, we're, just, we're just wrapped up. It's time-consuming. All of a sudden, weeks go by, and we forget about the one. All of a sudden, it's easy to walk into the office and pass by cubicle after cubicle of coworkers who are broken and in need of Jesus, and we have the answer, we have the solution, but we forget because we're so consumed with ourselves. It's my life, it's my world, it's my bills, it's my problems because we're living in a doggy dog world, right? It's survival of the fittest, and I'm just concerned about myself, but I really believe that God wants to remind us that he loves the one, and he's called us to go after the one. Luke chapter 15 is one of those passages that I've loved since I was a child. Like I've, I've heard this over and over, but it just does something in my heart. I love it because Jesus, he, he's genius. Jesus, he's so wise. And Jesus shows us the heart of the Father in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, Jesus is probably reclining on a bench somewhere against a tree. And, and he has this community, this gathering start to form around him, right? He has a bunch of people that start approaching him. The Bible says because they wanted to hear him, right? But the people that are approaching him are not 
not the people that maybe you and me think that could, should or, or could hang out around Jesus. Like we're talking about tax collectors and sinners. Now, now for you, maybe you were like tax collectors, that's not a big deal unless you don't like to pay taxes. But, but tax collectors, tax collectors back then were criminals because they would tax people. But on top of that, they would charge an additional tax so they could pocket it. Like, like these were criminals. They were thieves. And so nobody wanted to be around tax collectors. They're like, no, those are the people that are robbing us of our money. And, and, and Jesus is hanging around with criminals. And then when it says sinners, I mean, you, you just think about every kind of sinner that Jesus could have been around. At other times, other occasions, they would call Jesus a, a glutton and a drunkard because he was hanging around with people that were drinking. Right? Like maybe one of them was, was, was a smoker. <laughs> and for us, we'll be like, he smokes and Jesus hangs out with him. Right? Oh, my God, that man, he just had a beer, and Jesus is with him, right? And Jesus, he's surrounded by these type of people, like these, uh, according to religious leaders, Pharisees and scribes, they're, they're bad, bad people. Bad, bad people are attracted to Jesus, which just made me think there was something that was attractive about Jesus. I wonder if people look at us and they say that our Christianity or our faith is attractive. Do we attract people to God or do we repel people from God? Right, in our character and the way we speak and the way we carry ourselves. Jesus, he, people just wanted to hang out around Jesus. People just wanted to get close to Jesus. And, and here there could have been prostitutes and drunks and tax collectors. All these sinners, they're hanging around Jesus. And Jesus is starting to talk to them. And he's forming this amazing community of followers. And, and it doesn't look like Jesus is mad. In fact, it doesn't even say that Jesus is telling them a gospel sermon or a message. He's just hanging out with them. He's talking to them. One translation is, says that he's treating them as old old friends. And religious people, scribes, Pharisees, they're looking from the back and they're saying, how can this man who claims to be the Messiah, who claims to be the Son of God, hang out with those type of people? I wonder if sometimes we have that type of attitude, right? Because we can easily point at the Pharisees and point at the scribes and be like, what's wrong with them? But, but we can fall into that trap too. We're all of a sudden on a Sunday service, we're here worshiping God and we look across the room and we're like, what is, what is she doing here? Huh, look at the way she came dressed. There is a dress code in the house, in this home. We look across the room and we're like, I can't believe he's here. You should have seen where he was at last Friday night. I know. And I would say, well, how do you know? You were there too then. <laughs> all right? And all of a sudden we can begin to judge who should hang around Jesus and who shouldn't hang around Jesus. Right, like Pharisees and scribes, they were the top religious leaders of the time. The scribes are literally those who would copy the Torah over word for word, dot for dot, space for space. On top of that, they were adding additional laws, so they were weighing people down with laws. These are people who wanted people to follow the law, so when sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, drunks, whenever they were in their way, they would walk past them. They barely would look at them because these are people who, they can't meet the law. They can't meet the requirement. There's no way that they can be good. They're bad. They're not good like us. They were pious. They were prideful in their religious walks. But that's why Jesus in another scripture says, oh, even if you're like a scribe, your righteousness is like filthy rags. Because nobody can come on your own accord to him. But religious leaders will walk past them and say, no, look, these people, they can never meet the laws. There was the, this social class. There was this financial structure. There was this classism that would exist. There was financial and social separations of people. And Jesus comes to oppose and to break down all structures and say, it doesn't matter if you think you're religious, if you think you're good, if you fit one class, if you fit one bracket. I came for all people. I'm after the one, every single one of humanity. And Jesus... 
He's just there hanging out, right? Like Jesus is just there hanging out. He's talking, and, and Jesus, he picks up on what they're talking about, right? Like he could hear all the whispers, and, and, and it says that they were muttering. You know, you ever met a mutterer? Like just stop muttering, you mutter, right? And they're all muttering, and, and Jesus then says, let me tell you a story. And he begins to share a story, and he says, there, one time, he says, one time there was a man. This man, he was a shepherd. He had a hundred sheep, right? And he talks about a man with a hundred sheep. That one gets lost, he's left with 99. He goes to find the, the lost sheep. He brings it home, and he throws the party home. It says the second story. The second story is about a lady who had ten coins, loses one coin, goes crazy trying to find the coin. When she finds the coin, she throws a big party in her home. And then the last one is about a father who loses one son, had two sons. One goes missing. He goes, do, does wild living in Vegas and Reno and all that. And then finally, when he comes back home, he throws a party for him at home. Three stories all about losing something, waiting, searching, and when it comes back home. Notice all three stories, they end up with a party at home. Because God is trying to bring humanity back home, right? In the first story, it's a man with 100 sheep. One goes missing, and this is the one we're going to look at today. He says that, that this man has 100 sheep, and he notices that one is gone. Now, when I heard this story, I think, wait, wait a minute. This is a little bit crazy. This man, he, he probably has to be OCD, like to know that you have 100 sheep and one went missing. You got to be counting those sheep all the time. Can I be honest? If one went missing out of 100, I'll be okay. 99 is pretty good. It's pretty close to 100. I'm okay. Like, I'm all right, right? In fact, I don't even know how he noticed, right? You, you talk about, like, try to count 100 sheep. Like, you're like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, 100. It's amazing. It's great. Like, it's good. <laughs> So what I notice about this story and, and that we should pick up on is the first thing about, I love about this shepherd is that the shepherd, he's aware of his sheep. Right? Like he lives with an awareness of his sheep. He, he's counting them. He's looking after them. He knows when one has gone missing. He's always looking after the sheep. He has his eye on the sheep. He's, he's not just an okay shepherd. He's a good shepherd. He's a great shepherd who's looking after all sheep. One goes missing, and he says, wait a minute, I just counted 99. Well, you're kind of crazy. Yeah, I just counted 99. One went missing, and, and, and he starts to get desperate for it, and he, he, he has to go looking for the one lost sheep. Like, to me, this actually had, it doesn't even make sense to me mathematically or to value, because if I had 99 sheep, I think 99 would be okay. Like, if you're telling me I had two sheep and one went missing, I'll be like, okay, maybe I should go look for the other. But I have 100 sheep. One goes missing I'll be okay with 99. Like, you know, I'll be, like, didn't make that much of a difference. One sheep, what, what is it going to do? But this man, he, he's aware of his sheep. The sheep mean much to him, and they're much more value than I think in my own life. Like, he cares about his sheep. This is a man who's aware of every single one. And, and it says that one goes missing, and he says that he leaves the 99 in the open field. Now, you can say the shepherd could be slightly crazy because he's taken a large risk of the 99 getting lost. But to him, the one has just as much value as the 99 that he's left behind. And he goes to look for the one sheep that has gotten lost. You know, the second thing that I love about the shepherd is that he's, he's active in looking for the lost sheep. Like, like, he doesn't just sit back and say, oh, man, I'm just, I'm just going to call the sheep, and if I whistle for her, maybe she'll come back. You know, like, Roxy. <laughs> I don't know. I just called her Roxy. I don't know why. Roxy. You know, a little Roxy. Like, and, and you're just waiting for the sheep to come back. He's active in his search and rescue for the lost sheep. Right, like he, he'll, leave the rock behind, he'll leave the sheep behind, and he'll go through rocks, maybe have to climb some hills, go through some crevices, go behind mountains to try to look. Like, where had this sheep come? Like, if, if I was that shepherd, I would be frustrated. Like, if I really had to go look for that one lost sheep, I'd be like, oh, my God. Like, like first of all, 
the sheep, I mean, you could just, like, this is a dumb sheep. I'm sorry, this is a dumb sheep. It doesn't tell you why to get lost. It was probably just started to wander, and it started to, like, just smell the grass and the air, and all of a sudden when it looked, it, it was lost, it was by itself. I'd be like, that's your fault. Have a good life, right? So when I find that sheep, I'm like, get over here, right? Like, I'll be, I'll, we're having lamb chops tonight. Like, I'll be upset. <laughs> but, but this shepherd, he's concerned for the sheep, and so he's looking, and I could just imagine him sweating, working, climbing for, what, 30 minutes, an hour, two hours? Like, how far did he have to go to look for the sheep? He's active in his search and rescue. Right, and when he finds the sheep, the Bible says he rejoices. One scholar said that Luke chapter 15 is the parable of joy. Because often throughout all three stories, it always uses the word rejoice or joy. Like the shepherd, he finds the lost sheep and he's like, oh my God, little Roxy. Right, he gets all excited, right, when I would have grabbed the sheep. And, 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 and he grabs the sheep and he puts it on his shoulders and he's excited. He puts it on his shoulders. He carries the sheep back home. The third thing I love about the shepherd is that he always goes above. Right, he goes over and above in everything he has to do. The Bible says he goes back home. Jesus says this shepherd, he goes back home. When he goes back home, he grabs his telephone. He puts it on Twitter, on Instagram. He puts it on Facebook. My, I found Roxy. This is amazing. And he invites all his friends over to his house. And the Bible says that he throws a party in his home because the one that has lost is now found. Like, this is incredible. This is a crazy story. Like I'm like, all that for one sheep? Like really? This is crazy. Jesus, literally what he's doing, and the Pharisees, they're, they're catching on to this little by little. He's telling them, I'm the shepherd, and I came for the lost sheep. Right? Jesus is trying to tell them, you're complaining about the lost. You're complaining about the sinners. You're complaining about the prostitutes, the drunks, the tax collectors, those that are far, those that can't keep up the law. But I actually came for the sick, not for the healed. I came for those that are completely far from me. And, and I'm the shepherd that Jesus is trying to say, I'm the shepherd that I'm... I'm aware of my sheep. He's aware. He, he knows us, right? Like, like today, I don't know how you came in here, but if you're hurt, if internally you are going through some pain, if your heart is broken, if you don't understand why life has happened to you a certain way, and today you say, I'm that bleeding lost sheep, I want to tell you the good shepherd, the great shepherd, he's aware of your condition. He knows when one is missing. Like you feel like you can miss church a couple of weeks and you feel like you don't, you don't, go, you don't join a connect group and you're off at a distance. You're not part of community. Can I tell you, he's aware of your distance. He's aware when you're not part of the flock. He's aware when you've been gone for a week or two when you're not part of the, of the body of Jesus. He's aware of it, the shepherd. He knows you're missing. But what I love about Jesus, he says, I'm not just aware. I go after the missing sheep. Come on, is anybody thankful that we have a shepherd that came to look for us? Oh, come on, when we were far away, when we didn't want to come back, when we couldn't go to him, when we were lost in our condition, we have a shepherd that goes climbing and he comes down and he searches for you and me. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that when I couldn't go to God, he came to me. In fact, the Bible says that all of us are sinners and none actually have faith in him. It says that none of us, in our condition, we were broke and dead in our sin. We could not go to God, but this is what salvation is, is that when we couldn't go to God, he came down to us. The Bible says none are good, none have faith, none of us could call on his name, but when I couldn't call on his name, he came and he called my name. In other words, I didn't find God, but God found me. This is the gospel. Jesus is giving them the gospel in a little sheep story. It's crazy, <laughs> right? And he says, I know when my sheep are missing. In fact, look what the Bible says in the book of Isaiah. It says this in the book of Isaiah. We can put it up. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. Right? Like we've all gone astray. 
This is you and I. We're like sheep that have gone astray, and he's, he's aware of it. He's active and looking for us, and, and he always goes above. Like he, when he found us in our condition, what I love about Jesus, he doesn't say, mm-hmm, you see? I told you to join a connect group. <laughs> told you to join the community. I made the church on purpose so that you could be a part of it. Mm-mm-mm. You better clean yourself up, and I'll come back for you. But he goes over and above, and he says, you can't walk? I'll, I'll put you on my shoulders. Right, like we, we have a Savior who goes above. He says, oh, you can't meet the law? You can't, you can't, you can't come to me? It's okay. I'll come to you, and I'll, I'll carry the sins of the world on my shoulders. And Jesus carried your sins and my sins, and he goes up to a cross, and he dies for humanity. He's the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep. Jesus is trying to get the Pharisees to understand this because they don't understand that Jesus, what he came to do is that he came so that humanity can find a home. Where's our home? Can I tell you that our home is in the heart of God? The home for all humanity is in God's heart. Jesus says, I go and prepare a place for you, and when I come back, I will take you to myself. Why? Because where we are going is not just a place, it's not just heaven, it's not just paradise. Where we're going is to the heart of God, to be with God, because what is heaven without Jesus? Jesus is paradise. Jesus is all there is in this life. He's everything, and without him, we're nothing. And so this is our home, is to be with him. The Bible says that he comes to place people in homes. Look what the Bible says in Psalm chapter 68, verse 6. It says, God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and he gives them joy. The way the message paraphrases it, puts it this way. It says, Father of the orphans, champion of the widows, is God in his holy house. God makes home for the homeless and he leads prisoners to freedom. This is the God who wants to bring humanity home. Today, he's aware of your condition. He's active and looking for you, and, and he's going over and above to make sure that you come home. Why, why am I saying this today, Calvary? What, what, what are we doing as a church as we're getting ready for heart for the house? Like, why, why do we add another service here in Kendall? Why do we have five services? And why do we stand outside in the heat and clap for people all day long today during Baptism Sunday? Because we want humanity to come home. We want humanity to come back to the heart of God because we know that away from God, they're lost, they're broken, they have no home, they have no idea where they're going, they don't know their purpose, they don't know their destiny, they don't know why they were created, they don't know the creator. And our purpose as a church is to say, come, come home. Welcome home. Welcome to the Father's heart. This is why we do what we do, so that all humanity can come back home. I don't want to forget about the one. I don't ever want to get caught up in services and, and nice music and lights and, and this is cool on a Sunday and, and be okay and be conformed with everything that God has given us when I know there's people that are broken, lost, hurting, sick, dying without Jesus. We got to go over and above to create a home for all. Recently, I, I was reminded about the one because, because it can happen to all of us. Like when we first come to Jesus, can we be honest? We're on fire for God, right? And we get all fired up and we're like, oh, I, I can't miss church. I got to tell everybody about Jesus. We used to drive our coworkers crazy, our family crazy. But after a while, it's like your experience just becomes like, yeah, I've been found a long time. And you forget what loss can feel like, right? And, and recently, I, I was reminded to always be passionate about the one. As many of you know, we went to Cuba a few weeks ago, 
and uh, we went over there to celebrate everything that God is doing in Cuba. We partnered with them for such a long time, and Pastor Ricardo has a beautiful church over there called Calvary Havana, and through Heart for the House last year, we were able to help him buy a new building and, and, and have church, and so we went to, literally like to film a documentary that we're going to show on October 21st about Cuba and Heart for the House and everything that we've done. And uh, it was an incredible weekend. Like, we were there all weekend, and we preached all weekend long. It was awesome. It was me, our youth pastor, Pastor Phil, and Michael Coyasso, our video guy, who's, I mean, just shot an amazing video. But while we were there, something happened that, that I will never forget. For the, rest of, for the rest of my life, as long as I live, I'm never going to forget what happened to us in Cuba. We had been there all weekend long, and, and we've, we had had, like, just an incredible time. Like, literally, it was just amazing. But Sunday morning, we wake up. And we say, hey, let's, let's, go, let's go film some footage of Havana, like just so we can include it in the heart of the house so people can see Cuba and the condition and all that. And so we said, hey, service is not till 6 p.m. Ricardo had moved the services to 6 p.m. And we said, why don't we go out there today and we, let's get a taxi, just take us around Cuba all day long, so around Havana all day long so that we can film it. And then we'll come back and get ready for service. I was preaching at night. And we said, okay, so all of us, we got up in the morning and, and we headed out. And uh, you go down this one street, and if you've been to Cuba or you've been to Havana, there's, there's literally like tens and tens and tens of taxis everywhere. If you go throughout the city, there's hundreds of taxis, and they all want you to jump in their car. And, and I remember we were talking, a few of us, you know, me, Phil, and, and Mike, we were just talking. We said, hey, let's, let's make sure we pick the right taxi. Like, let's not just jump on any taxi. Any ta we're going to be with this guy all day long. Let's make sure it's a good one. Like, you know, let's, let's just make sure we got the right one. That's the kind of conversation we were having as we were walking down the street. And a bunch of them were saying, oh, yeah, come on my taxi. You're like, yeah. We're like, no, no, we're good. And we just kept walking. We're like, ah, oh, we're just not feeling. We're like, it has to be one that we all agree. Like, this is it. This guy's it. And we go down this one long street, and all the way at the end, we were literally almost done with that street, and we're like, let's go somewhere else. Like, all that is going through my mind. And we see this one last guy, and he has a beautiful car, and he's there, and he's like, hey, guys, I can take you in a taxi. And, and I don't know why, we were just kind of like, hey, this guy, he, he seems like a cool guy. Like, let's, let's get in his car. And we all kind of looked at each other, and we all agreed. We're like, yeah, yeah his car, let's do it. And so, so we ask him, we say, hey, we're filming, like, this documentary, and we want to, can you just take us around, like, Havana, Cuba for, like, literally like four or five hours. We, we want to go film a bunch of stuff. And he's like, yeah, 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 I'll take you, I'll take you. And we're all right, so we jump in his car. And when we jumped in his car, little did we know uh, what was about to unveil before us. <laughs> we literally pull out of the street, and this guy is a character. Like, this guy is amazing. Like, this guy, he just begins to honk at every single person on the sidewalks, and he has one of these loud, loud horns, and, and literally he begins to roll down his window, and he begins to blow kisses at every single girl walking down the street. <laughs> Right, and he, he begins to say stuff to them, and at one point, one girl was walking down the street, and she was pretty good looking, so he stopped the car, literally stopped the car in the middle of the street and stared at her all the time <laughs> while she walked past us, and we're there like, I'm like, oh my God, like, we got to film this for Heart for the House, and the guy is just like, <laughs> and, and he's screaming stuff to other taxi drivers, like this guy, he, he's wild, he's wild. I tell him, hey, can you stop us somewhere for breakfast? Uh, we're a little hungry, we'll just grab something to eat quick and then we'll keep going. And I'm like, how, how, what, am, what am I gonna do here, right? And so we stopped to eat breakfast and I'm like, let me try to start having a conversation. I'm like, hey, what else do you do other than a taxi driver? And he's like, party, I party all night. That's what I do, it's my life, I party. I'm like, all right, cool, that's you, amazing, that's amazing. Uh, like the guy, he's a character. And I'm just like, Jesus, help us, this is crazy. And uh, we get in the car, and we continue for hours, literally for hours with this guy, driving all around Havana, and uh, keeps on honking at every girl, honking at every woman. I'm just like, Lord, help us. And um, 
uh, all of a sudden we get to Central Havana. Central Havana is beautiful and it has these new hotels. And he said, hey, I can take you to the top of that hotel. And from the top of that hotel, you can see all of Havana. You can get some amazing footage for your documentary. And I said, yeah, let's do it. And he said, ale, amo. And so we go and uh, we go to up, up the top of this hotel. And we get to the sixth floor. And we get to the sixth floor and this beautiful view up there of all of Havana. And you're going to see some of that on, on video October 21st. And, and we're filming some amazing footage. And we sit down just to talk for a little bit. And and grab some drinks. And this is the picture we took up there. And I'm, nev I'm never going to forget this, right? We're there hanging out. And, and we're there talking to him. He's the one in the blue shirt, in case you don't know. <laughs> and um, we're there hanging out. In fact, that, he was the one who said, hey, let's take a picture. And he's the one that took that picture. He's like, I want the one on a photo. And so we're there. We're hanging out. And we take that picture. And, and right there at that moment, right? Like right there, we, we take that picture. And we're talking to him. He goes, what else do you guys want to do in Havana? And I said, no, I'm, you know, I, I don't know yet. We don't got that much time. We leave Tuesday morning. And he goes, no, no, you need to go to this show. You need to go to this show. You need to go to this show tonight. It's amazing. It's the best musicians in Cuba. It's Buena Vista Social Club. Uh, that's what they told me, right? And so he goes, it's amazing. All the best musicians in Cuba, they go. You got to go tonight. I said, oh, I really doubt we can go tonight. Maybe tomorrow we can go tomorrow night. No, 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 not Monday night. You need to go tonight. Tonight, the best musicians in Cuba come to play at this show. And right there, I, I finally tell him, I'm like, hey, here's the thing. I can't go tonight. We can't go tonight because we're pastors and we're here for, and he goes, wait, 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 what, 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 what? <laughs> he goes, what? And he literally stops me. And I go, yeah, we're pastors and we're here. He goes, no, 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 no. And he puts his head down and he puts his hands on his face and he begins to cry. Right? And he says, no, this can't be happening. This can't be happening. He goes, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents are Pentecostal. I know I have a calling from God. I grew up in church, serving in church my entire life. And for the past four or five years, I've been running from God. I've been running, I've been running, and I know he's been calling me, and this can't be, this can't be, this can't be. And he has his head down, and he's crying, he's crying. He's just like, no, 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 no. And we're looking at each other like, what did we say? Oh, my goodness, right? I put my hand on his shoulders, and, and we're just like, hey, like, this isn't a coincidence. Like, like, God, he's calling you. He loves you so, so much. Like, you thought you were just picking up some guys for a documentary, but, but God, he's calling you. And he's like, no. And the thing was, I was about to go home because if by 10 o'clock I don't have nobody, I'm gone. I was going to go home. I had a lot. I don't have to work today. I didn't have to make money today. No, no, this is crazy. This is crazy. Like, he's in shock. He can't believe it. And I'm just like, whoa, this is wild. Then he goes, what, what church? What church are you guys coming to help out? Or what church are you preaching at? And I said, oh, we're coming to Calvary Havana with Pastor Ricardo. And he said something, which is obviously, if you understand Cuban culture, why he said this. He goes, what? And Nato, oh, my God, right? Like, he goes crazy. Literally, that's what he said. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And he goes, I know him. I know him. I used to work out with him. And he starts to cry some more, right? And he starts to cry some more. And he has his hands in his, in his face. And he's just crying, crying, crying. And I'm just like, hey, listen, that's where, where I'm going to be preaching tonight. It's your 21-year anniversary. We've been preaching all these nights. Tonight is the final night. Why don't you come to church with us? I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. He says, I'm going. I'm going to tell my girlfriend. He has a girlfriend. I'm going to tell my girlfriend. <laughs> and right there, right there, right? Like right there. Like two minutes later, his girlfriend calls him. <laughs> he picks up the phone. He goes, babe, 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 we're going to church tonight. We're going to church tonight. You could tell she was giving like a little bit of pushback. Like they probably never been to church as long as they've been together. And, and he's like, I'll explain later. We're going to church tonight. And you could tell that she kept like giving pushback. He goes, I'll explain later. We're going to church tonight. I have to go to church. I picked up these guys. They're pastors. This is crazy. Oh, my God. I need to, I need to go to church tonight. And I go, 6 p.m. He goes, 6 p.m. Get ready. I'm like, okay. Hangs up his phone and. And we get off that hotel, right? We come down and we get back in the car and we, he takes us around a little bit more before we have to go where we were staying to get ready. And, and he was a different man. When we came down off that hotel, he got in his car and he was driving like this. 
Like, I, <laughs> I promise you, I promise. Me and Phil are walking behind him and Phil taps me and he goes, that conviction's hitting him hard. <laughs> and I'm just like, man, this is crazy. Like God was doing a work in his life, right? And he drops us off at the house where we were staying and, and he goes, at what time? We were like 6 p.m. And he goes, okay. And I, we really thought like he's not going to show up. Like, you know, whatever. At least we got to, you know, plant a seed and, and remind him that God has, you know, a plan for him. We get to church later on that night, 6 p.m. Service starts and it's 6.05, we look back, he's not there. 6.15, the church is getting packed, he's not there. 6.30, he's not there. At, at about 6.40, we look back, and, and he's walking in with his girlfriend. And I'm just like, we're all like, he made it, he made it. Me, Phil, and Michael are like, you know, going crazy. Like, he made it. And, uh, we're, you know, service is gone. We're excited that he at least made it. Little did we know that, that services in Cuba and Pastor Ricardo has four-hour services. <laughs> with no AC, fans, like... Like, I'm like, oh, my God, every night. Like, I, we lost easily 10 pounds a night. Like, it was just, no lie, I started at 6, by around 8.30, 9, I'm like, Phil, I think this guy left. Like, if I was him, I would have I been gone. This is long. I said, can you go check if he's here? Phil goes, he goes, yeah, let me go check. He goes, he comes back, he goes, hey, hey, he's good. He's in good spirits. He says, all services in Cuba are like this. He says, all churches. He goes, yeah, he's good, he's good. I'm like, all right. I, I don't get up to preach till about 9.30, no lie. I get up there, right? I, I already forgot what I was going to preach. I'm, I'm drenched. <laughs> I get up there, and, and while I'm preaching, the whole time he's on the second floor in the balcony, the whole time he's looking at me. Like, there's people in front of him, and he, he's looking between the people, and he's looking at me, looking at me. And, and I, I, at the end, I tell people, let's get up, and, and I make an altar call. When I count to three, he's the first one that raises his hand, and he gives his life back to Jesus, right? It's crazy. And he's in tears, like. And then I say... I'm going to make a second call. If you're here today and you say, hey, I want to forget my past. I want to begin you in Jesus. I want you to run down to the front. He's the first one that comes running down to the front. And we have this picture of him as he came down forward. Now as a different man. He came down and he could not stop weeping and weeping and weeping and crying. I got off the stage and I go running to him and I give him a big hug. And Come on, God reminded me he's after the one. You can run, you can hide, but we have a good shepherd. Come on, is anybody thankful for the shepherd that comes behind? He looks for us and he calls us and he knows us by name. This is the good shepherd. He never forgets about the one. He never forgets about the one. Come on, if we can stand to our feet all across this place. All across this place to stand to our feet. I'm going to leave you with this last quote. I love it. William Booth started the Salvation Army in London years ago in the 1800s and right before he died, in fact, two months before he died, he goes to the Royal uh, Albert London Hall, a big, beautiful place, and he gives an incredible speech. And this is how he finishes his speech, and I'll never forget this. He says, while women weep as they do now, I'll fight. While children go hungry as they do now, I'll fight. While men go to prison in and out, in and out as they do now, I'll fight. While there is a poor lost girl upon the streets, while there remains one dark soul without the light of God, I'll fight, I'll fight to the very end. Can I tell you, us Calvary, as long as there's people in the streets, come on, we're going to fight. Come on, as long as people are in darkness, we're going to fight. Come on, we're going to fight to the very, very end. We're going to do whatever we have to do to reach the lost, the broken, and the hurting. Why do we do hard for the house? For the one that we're able to help out a church in Cuba. And he has multiple services where people go and can't say that we, we're able to help out Kenya from Africa, all the way in India. Talk about Costa Rica, all over the world because a group of people here in Kendall decided to be generous. 
Because a group of people in our city campus decided to be generous. Because one church, one family decided to unite together and say, we can't do much for the one. Heart for the House is coming up now, and there's a lot of things we want to do. And this past year was beautiful, and you're going to see more on the video of everything that we did for Heart for the House. But, but this year, we have a lot of goals, a lot of things that we want to do. October 21st, we have some big, big news, and I think it's going to be exciting for our city, for us, and I can't wait to share it. But there's a lot of things that we want to do, and I just want to show you a list of things that we want to do over this next year. If we could put it up 2018 to 2019, uh, obviously our Kendall campus Heart for the House goes to the improvement and expansion of this house. Last year, because of your generosity, we were able to help out our, our kids' area, and we were able to put new floors, new furniture, new paint, all that, and, and we're still actually doing way more over there. We got to do much more for our Kendall campus to make it look beautiful. Uh, we want to make our lobby new. It's been two, three years since we painted it all, and we always want to make sure this place is excellent. City campus, uh, we're going to make sure God bless the city campus, and so some of the funds are going over there. And then a future campus launch, some of the funds for Heart for the House goes to future campus launch. Did I tell you we have big news on October 21st? Um, also, some of that goes to our world, like helping, again, Cuba, uh, Costa Rica, Kenya, all that. We want to help pastors. I, I, I want to be part of a church that says we're, we're, we're going to help pastors across the world so that they can continue preaching the gospel for the one like we did in Havana. Um, obviously, our city, everything that we do through local initiatives and different people that we help out. I love that this year alone we fed over 3,000 homeless people in the, in the streets of Miami and all that goes to all this kind of stuff. Embrace House, this, are, this has been our first year that we have a house where human trafficking survivors can go and live and start to get back their feet up in society. And so we want to make sure this next year Embrace is ready to go. And the last but not least, um, have a disaster relief ready. And that's how we were able to help out Puerto Rico. And that's how we were able to help out many people that got hit by storms last year. And we want to do the same and always be prepared as a church till we have something already. And last year as a church, I told you we collected $206,000 and that was amazing. And this year I have a goal. It might be a goal that's a little bit too high, but I think we can do it. This year I want us to raise together as a church, my dream, my desire, our prayers that we would raise. We could put it up $300,000, right? Come on, we can do it. I really believe that we can do it. I just, I just started thinking about this and I said, wait, I don't think this is too difficult uh, if all of us bring a sacrifice, right? Like I, I really thought, let me just break it down in one way that my mind thought about it. I said, what about if, if 300 families, 300 couples or 300 people in our church, 300 people who said, I'm going to be kingdom builders. If 300 people decided to bring $1,000, right, that, that alone meets our need. We have almost 2,000 2, people in our church. But if 300 said, I'm going to bring 1,000, we can easily reach $300,000, right? And, and maybe for you, $1,000 is a stretch. That's fine. We always say around here, it's not equal amounts, but it's equal sacrifice. Right, maybe for you a sacrifice four weeks from now is gonna be $400, $500, that's fine. But maybe you can give $1,000, maybe you can give more. Like we've had people in our church that, that can give $5,000 for Heart for the House, $10,000, right? $15,000. One time we had somebody give a gift years ago of $100,000 for Heart for the House. And that's a stretch for me and you, but for that person, that was their stretch, right? Like that's what God did through their life. I'll never forget for years ago, uh, me and Diana, we, I think it was before we got hired here, we, we were just attending. We were in a bad financial moment, and I remember it was hard for the house, and, and we didn't have nothing for hard for the house. We, we were like one of those moments where it's just like, Lord, help us survive another day. And uh, hard for the house was coming up, and, and we really wanted to bring something for hard for the house. I've shared the story before. I know some of you have heard it. And uh, we really wanted to bring something. And, and I said, man, this house, I care about it so much. It's done so much for me and for my family. And so what I did is I opened up my closet, and, and I literally looked at some stuff that I wanted, that I loved, and I said, but you know what? God's house comes before all this stuff. And 
I was the type that I used to be what's called like a sneakerhead. I love shoes and I love kicks and, and I had all these sneakers that I used to collect and I loved them. But I literally, I said, you know what? That's okay. Like the house is of much more value than some shoes on my feet. And I, I grabbed them and I put them on eBay, right? I had a few weeks left. I put them on eBay and, and I sold all those shoes. And because I sold them, I was able to get a good amount of money back. And then I looked at my drawers and I had some watches. I used to love watches and they were an expensive watch, like literally 50 bucks, 100 bucks. And I grabbed my watches and I said, I don't care about watches anymore. And I sold them. I just wanted something to bring to the house. And Diana did the same with a bunch of stuff that she had, that stuff that you know, that maybe you have it as, you, but you maybe don't wear it or whatever. And, and we just said, we, we want to bring something for her for the house. And, and that year we were able to bring a significant gift. You know, this year I would just challenge you. What do you have around your life that you say, you know what, I want to do this. As we get closer to Heart for the House, I'll show you where it is in Scripture. In First Chronicles, David called the people of God and said, hey, we're going to build God a beautiful house. And it says that all of them brought from their, from their treasures, from their riches. They brought gold, silver. They brought everything. And they said, we're going to build God a beautiful house and where all humanity can find a home. Maybe you're part of those 300 that can bring a thousand. Maybe you can bring five, ten, whatever it is. But I think if we all come with equal sacrifice, come on, we can reach that goal and so much more. And, and this next year is going to be amazing. Come on, I want you to close your eyes all across this place. With every eye closed, every head bowed. If you're here today and you say, Alex, I'm that lost sheep. I was gone. I'm far away. I feel distant from God. I feel like God, he must not love me. God must have something against me. If you're here and you're saying, Alex, I, I feel like I've gone astray. I feel like I'm that sheep that I've done so much wrong. And and I'm so distant from God, I want to tell you that it doesn't matter how far you are, He loves you more than you can imagine. He has His eye on you. He knows your name and He knows where you are and He, and he cares about you more than you know. The Bible says that God loves all of humanity. He loves you in spite of your history, in spite of what you did yesterday, last week, last month. He loves you. But the Bible says that all of us are sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. And the Bible says that sin separates us from God. But God loved the world so much that he sent his son Jesus. Jesus came and he, he grabbed all of my sin. I was a sinner, I've messed up so many times. I've done so much wrong, but Jesus came and he grabbed all of my sin. He grabbed all of your sin. And the Bible says that Jesus, he put the sins of the world on his shoulders. He carried all of our sin. And the Bible says that Jesus, he went up on a cross and he died for me and he died for you. Jesus hung on that cross and he died. And after he died, they put him in a grave and he was in a grave for three days. But after three days, Jesus Christ resurrected. I believe that he's, he's alive today. He's the hope. He's the answer that you need. He's the solution for your life. Today, he wants to bring forgiveness, love, peace, hope into your life. With every eye closed, with every head bowed, all across this place, if you're watching on live stream, additional seating, wherever you are, every eye closed, every head bowed. If you're here today, you say, Alex, I need Jesus in my life. Alex, I want to come back home, and I know he's calling me. Today's the day of salvation, the Bible says. I'm going to count to three in just a moment with every eye closed, every head bowed for privacy and concentration. If you're here, you say, Alex, I need Jesus. At the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. I'm not, I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to give you a mic, none of that. With every eye closed, every head bowed. If you say, Alex, I need Jesus today. I want forgiveness. I want a brand new start. I want a brand new beginning. At the count of three, I want you to raise your hand right where you're at. I'm just going to acknowledge you. I believe that God's going to see your step of faith. And he's going to give you a brand new beginning. After you raise your hand, hold it up for just a second, and then you can put it right back down. One, two, three. Raise your hand all across this place, as high as you can. Come on, can you hold it up just a little higher, just so I can see you? I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you, and God bless you up here. 
Amen. Amazing. Come on, hands everywhere. Father, we thank you so, so much for your goodness and for your grace. I'm going to say a simple prayer. I want you to repeat this prayer from the bottom of your heart. Say it with all you've got. In fact, the whole church, as a home, as a family, we're going to say this together. Repeat it after, after me out loud. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, I'm forgiven, I am saved, and I'm healed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, can we be that home that throws a party? Come on, for every single person. Amazing.